Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your high state podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, and in this episode, I will try to convince Ari Wasserman to trade me Justin Fields on our fantasy football league. Ari, what do you want for Justin Fields? You to admit that Mac Jones is worth drafting. Uh. <laughs> can we just, can we, can we talk about how hilarious it is that, and I don't, I, I don't know shit about the NFL, maybe Mac Jones is worth dra- drafting over Justin Fields, but like Mac Jones pro day, he throws a pass that hits a ceiling fan and falls to the ground, and Justin Fields pro day, he's throwing 60-yard bombs and a bucket down the field, it's hilarious. Yeah, I don't know, I, I know that a lot of people get fired up over what order quarterbacks are being taken, and I understand that if you're an Ohio State fan, it matters to you, like that Justin Fields is the highest pick possible because, and I'm sure we'll get into this later on in the episode, uh, how you do in the NFL has a positive sales pitch impact on um, how you recruit the position moving forward. But he's going to be a top five pick, and I don't understand the outrage between being number five and number two. It's like we know that in the NFL you overanalyze every single thing. I mean, I'm sure they know what these kids ate for lunch on the way to third grade on the school bus. Like It is what it is, and if Justin Fields is being – passed on by other really good quarterbacks that did really good things in college. I can understand that each GM has his own view of what the quarterback fit should be, what the offense they're going to run around them is. Like, There's a million different things that go into drafting the quarterback other than like how awesome Justin Fields' pro day throw was across his body 65 yards down the field. The one thing I don't understand, and I know that you've seen this a lot, is that there seemed to be the sentiment that his like stock was free-falling. And I don't know how much of that was reality or how much of that is just bullshit Twitter fodder. But, like, I saw a tweet last week that said that certain scouts that are employed by NFL teams viewed him as a fourth-round draft grade. And it's like, if that is a thing, how are these people employed? 
I think if you think he's a fourth round draft grade, what sport are you watching? Now, I can have a debate about whether or not Mac Jones and his absurd completion percentage should stand on its own or whether or not Devontae Smith was uncoverable. I can have a discussion about one read, how fast you run the 40, all the things that you take into account. Um, these are all top five quarterbacks and what order they go in, I guess, is kind of negligible based on what a person who's paid a lot of money to analyze these guys thinks. But let's just stop giving credence, and I, I, and I, I do too, to the other shit that just is so off the rails that it's not even worth talking about. Does that make sense? Like, fourth round, come on. I will, I will say, like, I, I saw that too, and I think everybody <clears throat> saw it, and people were making jokes about it during Justin Fields' pro day. That, that could be as simple as I'm pretty sure the Houston Texans don't have a pick until the fourth round. So, like, that could be it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just, we, we have a fourth round grade on them because we don't have a pick before the fourth round. I don't know if that's it, but that could at least it's like, explain it in a somewhat rational way. But even if it doesn't, it's like, stupid shit comes out every year in the draft conversation like justin fields is going to be a first round quarterback he's going to go in the top 10 he might go like number three he could go number two for all i know the jets had their offensive coordinator and general manager in columbus uh, on tuesday for ohio state's pro day um and obviously they're they're widely expected to pick zach wilson but i don't know i thought justin fields looked pretty good on tuesday maybe he he planted a seed of doubt in their mind and maybe they could take justin fields at, at number two but the the point is like he's good uh, i think he's gonna be really good in the nfl and he's going to get drafted accordingly. And whether that means he's the third quarterback taken or the fifth quarterback taken, uh, I'm not totally sure it's something worth getting angry about. Um, but I understand I understand defending your guy. And obviously, honestly, if you, if you watch them, like, uh, Justin Fields is better than Mac Jones. Like, he, just, he is. Yeah, he's better at college football than Mac Jones. I don't know if there's some sort of trait that he has that will make him a better quarterback in the NFL. Like, the trait I, like, is again, he's a buck that guy, sounds man. stupid. You, you know what I'm saying, though, man. Like, I, yeah. I don't know what it is. If if the 49ers traded up for Mac Jones, what is it on his film that is over my head that they are seeing that we don't understand? Because yeah. there's something. Mm-hmm. Because anybody who just watched the games with their eyes would think for sure that Justin Fields is a better quarterback. Like, I mean, listen, here's the thing, too, that I think is so funny about the pro day. Did it? Did anything that he did in that pro day performance surprise anybody? I mean, like, not, everybody not if you was acting him, no. shocked. But like, didn't he do that in games? Yeah, I asked Ryan Day. I said, I said, Ryan, why didn't you call the play where Justin Fields falls backwards, falling to his left, throws up his back foot sixty yards down the field, and he said, "Well, he did it against Michigan." <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> wasn't quite that far but it's like yeah no not, the fact that he ran a 444 or 445 or whatever it was and then threw the ball the way he did is not surprising to anyone who watched Justin Fields play at Ohio State the last 2 years if you're like just coming around now um maybe it it, it did surprise you i think either way it was impressive but it's like yeah Justin Fields is a super superhuman athlete he was good at pro day <laughs> if, if if you're coming around now then you're not qualified to have an opinion on who should be drafted where like it's like to me i want to hear from the people who watched game tape was was plugged into the way these guys performed and it's like everybody's like oh my god justin fields made a great throw it's like no shit (laughs) (laughs) did anybody watch the clemson game in a playoff game the guy threw more touchdown passes and incompletions against an elite level team like i don't know what else and it's like i get it the nfl draft and all the craziness that goes up to the nfl draft and how the teams evaluate their players is completely insane and we have this discussion every year, but I feel like the game tape 
is being minimized more and more as the years go on. And we start talking about ancillary crap that has nothing to do with how good of a football player somebody is. And it's like, maybe after all this is done, Justin Fields will just be the number two pick by the Jets and it'll play out the way that everybody thought it would play out. But if he falls to five or the Falcons get him or some team trades up to get him at five or six because the Dolphins already have their quarterback, that team is going to be really happy with the value that they have. Now, is Zach Wilson a tremendous football player? Absolutely. Did Mac Jones put up crazy stats? Absolutely. Does Mac Jones have better footwork? Is his throwing motion more fluid? Does he make decisions faster? I don't know. All the different things that go into play on how you analyze that man. But if you just turn on the games and watch, I think it's pretty clear cut. I I, I don't know. Uh, And again, Ohio State has had quarterbacks drafted in the first round. Um, I don't know if the way Dwayne Haskins' career has gone early on has impacted um, the way people view Justin Fields. I don't even think that'd be fair because they're completely different players. Um, And, you know, there's just not a lot of Ohio State quarterback talent starting in the NFL right now. And by a lot, there's none. So I understand that there's a lot of, of different things that go into play, but just from an eyeball standpoint, like Justin Fields is the most impressive athlete that has there been a more impressive athlete in in our time covering the team together, just all around at any position. Like, I guess you could say like maybe Malik Hooker, maybe a Bosa brother. comes to mind. Um, Darren Lee comes to mind. Um, but the list is short, and he's he's probably at the top of it. And of and I saw uh, I think a pro football focus tweet. I don't know where it was. Sorry for not the proper credit, but somebody said he um, has a ninety five plus grade in both passing and throwing. I mean, passing and running. And I don't know if there been any like who was the last quarterback in the draft who ran and threw as well as he did. Like, is Trevor Lawrence a really good runner? He is, right? I yeah, mean, yeah, I think so. So, yeah. like, maybe Trevor Lawrence is the clear number one pick in the draft this year is the answer to that question. But, like, at Ohio State, they've had a lot of crazy good college quarterbacks, but nobody threw the ball and ran the ball both as effectively as he did. It was either one or the other. He does both. And he's big-sized, he's bulky, he's durable. I don't know. I don't know, man. I just... How much of this is overthinking and how much of this is reality? I guess we'll find out in three years, but I think it feels like overthinking to me. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what this time of year is about, I think. Um, and it can be frustrating. Like, I love it. Like, I love – I think I've said this before. I love the draft. I love the build-up to the draft. But, I like, I totally understand why people don't like it and how it can be frustrating. It's because of conversations like this. Uh, the end result is that, hey, Justin Fields is good. We do have a question um, kind of regarding Justin Fields and, and what his pro success might ultimately mean. For Ohio State, we have a, a few questions we want to get to in this episode from the email address. Again, it's 426ab at gmail.com. Hit that up with any questions, thoughts, complaints. Um, I don't know, real real estate advice for Ari. You can send that to, to 426ab at gmail.com as well. But before we get to those questions, Ari, uh, just quickly one more thing off of Ohio State's Pro Day. Um and I have a story at the Athletic, theathletic.com slash four six. You can sign up, get a subscription for one dollar per month. Has all the measurables and some highlights and, and testing numbers and all that stuff. Um, I thought Baron Browning like helped himself in a major way at Ohio State's Pro Day, and he measured about six three, two hundred and forty five pounds, and then he goes out and he runs a four five. What was it? Four five eight forty. Broad jumps ten ten. Vertical jumps forty. 
Like he, we knew he was a freak. He kind of like he put it on paper at pro day, and and I think that he's a guy who's going to really climb up draft boards here in the next month. Yeah, um, that's the type of like measurables like at the high school level that makes you a five star prospect. So nothing like that is surprising. Um, you know, the thing that has always been so interesting to me about Baron Browning is that his production in football never equated to the athleticism that he has. And I'm not saying he wasn't a good player, but the expectations and the pure ability from what he's just God-given able to do, uh, I don't think he ever reached his ceiling as an Ohio State football player. Now, sometimes those guys go on in the league and go into the right system and turn out to be great players. But again, that's another situation, too, where it's like we know how much measurables and testing matter in this process. And Ohio State always has guys who test off the charts because they're the best athletes coming out of high school. Um, so that doesn't surprise me one bit. And I'm very curious to see what that athleticism can be in the league, because I think he has a chance to be a really productive NFL player. He was working out as a linebacker. Obviously he was doing some defensive end stuff. And we saw him do that at Ohio state and, uh, Dane Brugler, our draft analyst has Baron as a number 91 overall prospect on his big board. That was before Baron's pro day. I would imagine he could move up a little bit. Um, but he's an interesting study because of what you said before. It's like, you look at the film and, Maybe sometimes he doesn't he doesn't wow you, but you know you watch that guy run around, and he's probably one of the top fifteen or twenty athletes in this entire draft. So if he goes like early second round, I don't think I'd be surprised by that because he has a pass rush, upside as a pass rusher, super athletic, big, long, um, and and I think like still developing, even though he's played a lot of college football, which which might be intriguing for some teams. All right, do you want to get into some questions? Sure. Do you want to talk sure. about real estate? No, I don't want to talk about real estate. Oh, okay. I didn't um, know if you Unless someone to know. listening to this lives in Columbus and wants to buy my house, then we can talk about real estate. Yeah, they also have to like fax in every piece of information about them, uh, not just financially, but just personally, if you want to get approved for a loan. So uh, if you can buy Bill's house in cash, please email yeah. 4 to 6 at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> cash only. Cash only. Okay. First question uh, from Derek about the quarterbacks. With the struggles of Dwayne Haskins in the NFL and Justin Fields seemingly falling down draft boards, how important is it for Ryan Day that he picks the correct quarterback this fall for long, long-term success of the position before Ohio State equals bad NFL quarterback becomes viewed as a real thing? And could it impact Day's ability to recruit beyond Quinn Ewers? Ohio State has taken a huge step forward in recruiting the quarterback position, yes? That's an undisputable fact. Um... And a large part of that is because of the development of quarterbacks at this position. So where I think that it stops, I guess, is draft picks. Now, I don't know how important it is. Like, does Dwayne Haskins flaming out in his first stop in the NFL make Quinn Ewers think, well, I can't, I can't go to Ohio State anymore or beyond Quinn Ewers? Are they going to use that as a neg uh, when thinking about Ohio State? Or do you take into the account that he got – developed into a top 15 pick and Justin Fields falling down draft boards is a very short fall because he's going to get taken in the top five and then what he does from there is up to him um the fact that Ohio State has the cupboard stacked on uh the current roster at the quarterback position and that Quinn Ewers is coming in the year after as things stand on March 31st Ohio State's quarterback recruiting and position evaluations for the college level have been tremendous Now, I think that there is something to it where if you say, hey, Justin Fields is a five-time Pro Bowler, he went to Ohio State, and he was developed by Ryan Day, that certainly holds weight. But 
Ohio State usually shares numbers about pure NFL draft success and not so much about current success. And I guess that every little thing that you can say right now about bad NFL quarterbacks at Ohio State would be true. I mean, I don't know that that would be wrong, but you also have to put things into context too, Bill, where it's like there's 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. How many can go to one, from one place if one player who got drafted in the top 15, who's still early in his career and has a chance to turn it around if he gets his head on his shoulders? You know, it's not that odd. Like, it's it's one position, and it's 32 teams, and it's, you got to be one of the best 32 quarterbacks on the face of the earth. So... I don't know how much that stuff plays into account. I think it's more so about development at the college level and being produced into an NFL draft pick. I'm not necessarily sure that flaming out of the NFL or not being what people thought that you were after being drafted in the top 15 has a huge impact on that. Am I nuts? No, I, and I don't think the 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 idea that like oh the school X doesn't have a long history of NFL quarterbacks like factors into the calculus for NFL teams at all. They just evaluate the player. They're not looking at the uniform. Um, so I, I don't like Ohio State equals bad NFL quarterback. I just don't think is a thing uh, for the people who matter. It's a talking point for people on Twitter and a lot of people who don't know what they're talking about. And it's like the easiest possible thing you can say. But it's also true of a lot of other programs. Like did Clemson have one before Deshaun Watson? Does it, like Alabama has Tua and Jalen Hurts in right now. And who was the last Alabama quarterback before them? Like I, maybe I'm forgetting somebody obvious, but. I can't think of one that comes to mind. Um, so it's not, it's not a, like, it's like you said, it's, there's 32 of them. Um, and there are a lot of college football programs. There's 130 something division one college football programs. So um, it's not weird to me that Ohio state doesn't have this long sustained success of churning out quarterbacks. Um, and I do think too, the idea that like Dwayne Haskins didn't work out. I think if you listen to Ryan day over the last couple of years, and read between the lines a little bit. I think he felt that Dwayne probably wasn't ready to go to the NFL. Um, and I'm sure on some level he tried to get that across to NFL teams, not to like, not to neg the guy, but just like keep it real. And at the end of the day, if the, if the end of that is you took a guy who wasn't ready, that's not my fault. Like, I don't know why that reflects poorly on Ohio state. Like Justin Fields, I think is in a much different position. He's a two year starter. Um, probably a little more mature than than Dwayne was, so I don't think they're the same. The only and Justin Fields said it like the only thing that's really similar between all these guys is they wore the same college uniform, and that's it, and that means nothing. So um, does Ryan Day need to pick the right QB for the long term success of the of the position? Absolutely, um, but not because of anything that has to do with the NFL. How much do you think you can read between the lines? Maybe not read between the lines, but how much? Uh, is a quarterback success or lack thereof in the NFL on Ryan Day's shoulders? Like if Justin Fields goes and isn't very good, like is there a certain trend in your mind where it's just like great quarterback developer but only for the college level, or is once th- that player leaves the program, it's out of his hands? Like how much do you attach to his resume? Uh, I mean, a little bit, um, at least early on. Like it's how, how quickly he can grasp things, his general understanding of the position, uh, how much – what he has in his head already sort of translates to the NFL, I think reflects on, on the college program and, and the college developer a little bit. Um, three, four years into their time in the NFL, if, if something happens, they don't work out. Like, I don't, I don't think that matters much. Like I don't, I don't think there's that strong of a tie as people want to say there is. It's just about getting them there. Can you put them in a position to get drafted early? I think is all that matters for the colleges. Once they're in the NFL, whatever happens with them, once they're there, I don't think is much of a reflection on the college program. I don't, I don't know if you agree with that or not. I think I do. I, I think that reputation matters though. 
And if you have a bad reputation as a quarterback NFL developer, whether it's true or not, these kids hear it all. So I think that it's advantageous. Like if, if Justin Fields goes into the league and becomes one of the um, best quarterbacks in the NFL, that helps Ohio State. I don't know how much it hurts them if, if, if he flames out, but uh, thought processes and trends and opinions to a certain extent matter because these guys read about it all the time. So it's certainly advantageous for Justin Fields to work out well. Um, I don't know if it's make or break, but you know we're all in a situation now where Ohio State couldn't be in a more healthy spot from a quarterback position standpoint. Now, picking the right person this year has a huge impact on this year. It has a huge impact on Quinn Ewers. And if Quinn Ewers gets on campus, then how he does is going to have an impact on the next pe- I mean, that's a never-ending problem. But in terms of where Ohio State stands from a positional standpoint, quarterback, I think you can make the argument that they have the best situation of anybody in college football right now, regardless of what Dwayne Haskins did. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Speaking of picking the right person, did you see that video of uh, Jack Miller that, that ended up on social media a couple days ago? What was that? Garrett Wilson uh, on his Instagram account like took a shot of him watching film and on the, on the clip it was Jack Miller just like throwing a dart to garrett wilson on like a it was like a it was like a third level rpo play which like ohio state has not run which in itself is interesting but then like he just threw it like with really good anticipation like on the money a slant to garrett wilson like threw a couple defenders and then garrett wilson caught it and ran for a touchdown and it was like it's a pretty good throw (laughs) yeah yeah jack miller (laughs) i mean i don't know if it's surprising if people think that jack miller is not good but yeah he's pretty good (laughs) i mean he was yeah he was the quarterback that ohio state built their program around before cj stroud came i mean two years in the making so i mean i don't know about you and i think that's a good you know jumping off point before we get back to questions but it's like is jack miller a distant third in the quarterback 
race or is that just something people think because the only thing we know about it is recruiting rankings? I think it's just something people think based off of recruiting rankings and the and the fact that C.J. Stroud played two emergency snaps last year against Michigan State and, and Clemson, which is solid deductive reasoning, I guess, but um, can also probably be a little misleading. He's really good. He was just not healthy in high school, but like if he was healthy, he would have been a top 150 player. He's a really good quarterback. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I got asked on the radio earlier uh, – before we reported this podcast of like, is Ohio state under a lot? Will Ohio state find the right guy? And it's just like, I think unequivocally you can say they will find their right guy. We don't know who it is yet, but based on the options that they have, like I would feel pretty good about the quarterback position if Jack Miller were the only option. I don't know if that's an insane thing to say, but like if we knew right now that Jack Miller was the starting quarterback and they had to get him ready, the only thing that I would be concerned about is his longevity from a health standpoint. I agree with that. Yeah. I think they're all, they're all solid options. Um, which is why I'm like, I'm, I'm interested in it, but I'll, it's not like a high level of concern for me. Cause I think whoever the guy is, is going to be good. Uh, okay. Next question from Josh. <clears throat> there was so much buzz around Cam Martinez, but I don't think I've heard a word about him since he stepped foot on campus. What gives have they settled on a position on a position for him? Will he see the field in 2021? Uh, they, I don't know if they settled on a position for him. Like Ryan Day talked about him the other day and said Cam can play a couple of different spots, which is like what we knew about him. I think he can play outside corner. He can play the slot. He can play nickel. Um, I don't think he can play deep safety, but I think he can play just about everywhere else on the back end of the defense. And then the other day, Ohio State's Twitter account, and this is like all we have to go off of in the closed spring, tweeted out a video of Cam Martinez picking off a couple passes in practice, which I think maybe got people excited about him again. So um, I think he's in the mix. I think all those young guys are sort of in the same position, like trying to – move up the depth chart and, and maybe lock down a starting spot somewhere in the secondary, but where exactly that is, I'm not totally sure just yet. Yeah. Has he listened to our podcast? We've talked about him a few times. Love Ken Martinez. Yeah. Um, also, I think that one week into a zoom only spring uh, is a little bit too early to be concerned about that. I, I'm hoping that he'll pop. You'll hear his name uh, pop a little bit more, but, you know, a lot of his recruitment was was interesting because he was a lowly rated prospect who had a ton of hype, and he had five star hype from a three star rating. And it's just like, even if he's really, really good, and I assume that he is, I still think it takes some time. So, you know, I don't know that this is a make or break spring uh, for Cam Martinez. Um, maybe you disagree with that, but I still think that even if it doesn't work out right now. Or if he doesn't crack the lineup right now, that like he still has a really good chance of being a very good football player in year two, three, and four. I think he does too. I, I guess at some point you got to settle on a spot, right? And and that's not to say that they haven't already. When um, we're talking with defensive backs later this week, we'll talk with Matt Barnes and maybe we'll get some more information on where exactly Cam Martinez is uh, when, we, when we speak to those guys on Thursday. But I will say like he did have a lot of buzz and it was a high profile recruitment because of just like the, the timing of things. But you also have to remember for all those guys last year, and this includes early enrollees, but I think it's especially true for guys who didn't join the team until June. Like last offseason was so weird and I think just made it increasingly difficult for all these guys who didn't get on campus until the summer to develop in a way that would get them on the field in a meaningful way during the season. And, and I think if that weren't the case, we would have saw some of these younger defensive backs play more. The only one who really did was Lathan Ransom, which I think makes his rise all the more impressive, um, considering he also didn't early enroll. But I think it's normal for a guy that, to not pop as a freshman, especially when the offseason was what it was. But it doesn't mean that, that 
you know, he's out of the picture. I think he's very much in the picture, and I think his versatility helps him. I, it, you know, it's just kind of hard to figure that out when we're not watching spring practice, but hopefully when we talk to Matt Barnes, we can learn a little more about what's going on with Cam. And the other thing, too, that we have to just make sure, and I'm, I'm sure most people understand this, but I just want to say it, is we're only at the mercy of which position group is talking on the schedule sometimes, too. It's just like you might not hear about people, but the schedule for interviews is running backs and running back coach this day. Safety, safety's coach this day. And if the running backs coach or the safeties coach doesn't talk till week three, then you might not hear about that player just because that position group hasn't been an emphasis yet. Now, you might pick up some nuggets here and there when Ryan Day speaks intermittently, but a lot of times it comes out like the information is released in bunches by position group throughout the four-week period. So I think it's super early right now to concern yourself with that. I still think that you should have high hopes for him. We've talked about him quite a bit, I think, on this podcast. Both Bill and I had him in our top 10 of most interesting players. Um, I think that it's an exciting thing to track for sure, and I wouldn't be discouraged about anything this as we sit here on March 31. Follow-up question from Josh. I see Torchy's Tacos is coming to Columbus. Is this the chain that Ari is familiar with, being that it's in Texas and he is now living in Texas? And if so, can he give us the rundown? of what Torchies is all about. We're both intimately familiar with Torchies. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, Bill, why don't you just tell them the Matthew Baldwin situation? So for the year that you still worked at Cleveland.com and yes. I had jumped to the athletic, him and I cover football very similarly because we worked together for so long. Bill, do you want to tell them what happened? Yeah, so this was at the Cotton Bowl in 2017 in Dallas, and you just tried to make those bowl trips a little more worthwhile. So I rented a car, drove down to Austin, Texas, and this was when Ohio State, I, I think Matthew Baldwin was committed by that point, and he had like the back and forth thing. It was like him and Emory Jones, like who's going to be the quarterback, and they got Matthew Baldwin late. So I went down to Austin to meet Matt Baldwin and uh, write a story about him, and we met at Torchy's Tacos in Lake Travis, um, Texas, and that was, I think, my first time there. And then Ari, I like had the same idea because why wouldn't you have the same idea? And I, I don't know if did you go down the next day and you went to the same place and had lunch with him and like did the same interview. <laughs> we both talked to him independently, and he told Bill, "Let's meet at Torchies in, in Lake Travis at this time." And I think I went two days later, and he had me meet at Torchies at the same time as Bill. So. Um, both of us had our first Torchies experience within 48 hours of each other, like twins. And we both uh, were sitting with a quarterback that was committed and signed with Ohio State. So, um, But here's what I'll say. I think Taco Bell sucks. And if you know anything about my fast food takes, you might like them, you might not like them. But Taco Bell is what it is. If I'm going to put garbage in my body, I think that getting it from another place is better. But Taco Bell is really your only option in Columbus, Ohio for a fast taco, right? Um, you know, they don't even have Jack in the Box or um, other fast food restaurants that have good tacos for what you want in a fast food taco. But there's only two types of tacos in Columbus, right, Bill? You got Taco Bell and you have Condado and other fast casual taco places. And I feel like Torchy's is somewhere in the middle between those two. Now, you told me that Torchy's is... Um, just going to be like a pickup window. It's not going to be a restaurant. Is that right? I believe that is the case. It will be in downtown Columbus. Yeah. I think that it is the perfect place to get above average tacos for cheap very quickly. Um, and I personally think, and maybe this is because I've had a lot of really good tacos now living in Texas and growing up in Arizona, but I thought Condado, which is like a Columbus, Ohio staple right now, is just fine. It's not bad, but it's not great. And, and Torchy's has like fried chicken tacos and all sorts of different 
tacos that come with it, right? So it's not just like carne asada, chicken, uh, and vegetables. They have all sorts of really jam-packed tacos with a bunch of different meats. And I think it's super good for what it is. Now that I live here, it's not something that I go to every day, but I think in Columbus it's going to be a very unique place that a lot of people are going to like because there's really nothing else like it around. I like Torchies. Um, it's... It's pretty good. It does. It gets, I think, a little overblown for what it is. The queso is great. Great queso. If you go to Torchies, get the queso. Um, I really like the fried chicken taco. Get a trashy style. That's what Matthew Baldwin told me. Get a trashy style. That means it has like queso on it and some other stuff. Um, basically, it takes what is a healthier version of a taco and makes it less so. So anytime you're doing that, I think that's the right move. It's fried um, chicken it's, taco, Bill. It wasn't healthy to begin with. <laughs> yeah, but it like had veggies on it, and they took they take all that off and they just slather it in queso. But uh, no, it's good. I think I, I am not a huge fan of Condado. Like I would definitely put torches ahead of Condado. Um, I'm sure there are like smaller like mom and pop places in columbus that have really solid tacos that i haven't had before but if i'm putting torches up against like condado or there's a barrio here now um or certainly anything like taco bell or chipotle i'm I'm taking torches all day like here's the thing here's the thing and i haven't been to condado in a long time but this place has fried chicken tacos pork uh carnitas tacos jalapeno cheddar sausage tacos um jamaican jerk chicken fried shrimp beef brisket chicken fajita beef fajita um, blackened salmon. They have all sorts of different tacos. Now, they even have a, a Roscoe called Crispy... Uh, it's a crispy waffle taco where the, the taco shell is a waffle. And it's just like... Better version of fast food tacos that you can get quickly. And it's like, who's their competitor in Columbus? I don't even know. where who, Was Condado their direct competitor? Probably, yeah. And it's like, these tacos, I think, are every bit as good. And it's just you go up to a window when you order them and you get them and they're solid. And all the Torchy's tacos in, in Texas are completely slammed all the time because I think you could get three or four tacos for 15 bucks and they're really nice sized and they're flavorful. And in the Midwest, it's just hard to get a good taco, period. So I think it's going to fit in well. The thing I appreciate about Torchy's, and I've been in Lake Travis, I've been in Waco, I've been to a couple in Dallas, and I've been to one in Tulsa, Oklahoma, consistent across the board. And I always appreciate that. Yeah, quality control isn't always the strength. Of, That's right. Of, but I, I do think that it's going to do really well there. I think it'll fit in nicely. Okay, here's a question from Kevin C. that might take a little bit of, of talking through, but I kind of I kind of like the idea, and I tweaked it a little bit because uh, Kevin said, pencil in who you think will be the starters once you guys get to see practice, and I appreciate uh, Kevin thinking we'll ever get to see practice ever again, but that's probably never going to happen. Uh, so I tweaked it a little bit, and, and what I want to do is like let's – like right now, pick who we think the starting 11 on defense would be, and let's assume everyone is healthy. And then the second part of the question is, uh, who is a player that's not one of those 11 that we think might surprise some people and possibly end up being a starter by the time the season started? Okay, so this is going to be the rest of the podcast, right? No, I think we can go through it. I think we can go through it quickly because I think the starters right now are like pretty straightforward. Um, so let's go through. Let's do defensive line. Two okay. ends, two tackles. So Everyone's we, healthy. We'll just do it together, position yeah. by position? Yeah. Okay, my starters, everybody's healthy. Defensive end would be Tyreek Smith and Zach Harrison. Yep. Defensive tackle would be Haskell Garrett and – this is tough. I, I would maybe say Teron Vincent if he's healthy under I said the assumption Vincent. that everybody's healthy. Okay. And like I know yeah. Antoine Jackson is also firmly in the mix there and might actually be the starter the next time we get to see practice, which will be in Ohio Stadium in September. But I, <laughs> I, I, I think that 
Vincent is the hope. So I, I think I'm going to approach this as who the hope is. Okay. Uh, linebacker. Um, Taraja Mitchell, Dallas Gant, and Kayvon Pope. I would differ there and say Craig Young instead of Kayvon Pope. Oh, Craig Young. I mean, I know you just wrote about him. You know, I guess. That's my guy. That's, that's the guy I'm pumping up. Okay, yeah. I think Craig – I'm going to change my answer to Craig Young. Okay. Okay, we're on the same page there. Secondary, two corners, two safeties. Seven One banks. One of the safeties is a cover guy. Seven, seven banks, Cameron Brown, um, Josh Proctor, and uh, Lathan Ransom. Okay. So that's exactly what I had. I think I think if you ask anybody who's the, who's the eleven, I think you're going to get that eleven. Maybe you get a different tackle instead of Teron Vincent. Maybe you get a different Sam linebacker instead of Craig Young. Possibly you get a Marcus Williamson instead of Lathan Ransom. But I think this eleven: Harrison Garrett, Vincent Smith, Gant, Mitchell, Young, Banks, Ransom, Proctor, Brown is probably what you're going to get from most people. So let's take it the next step then with Kevin's question: someone we didn't name that we think could rise and take one of these jobs by the time the season actually starts? Um, well, I guess the easy answer here would be Kayvon Pope. Because if Craig Young doesn't develop into the monster that you're turning him into, you know, then I think Pope would be somebody who could slide in there. Um, but you want to know something? I think it's possible. And we didn't, we didn't mention Marcus Williamson, but that doesn't count because he played a lot last year. Um, I'm very interested to see how Court Williams progresses. Um, I, I think that that would be my pick of the defense because he is a very interesting player in terms of versatility, and if the light turns on, I think there's a lot of people counting on him. So I don't know if that's a, a good answer or bad from your point of view, but that seems to be the guy that would stand out to me the most. I think he, yeah, he is a good one. I think it's an, if there's somebody that comes up and surprises, I think it does happen on the back end of the defense, and Court Williams would be first on my list. I think he could pick one of the young corners. Maybe it's like a Ryan Watts or Legend Cavazos who steps up and, and starts opposite Seven Banks, and maybe Cameron Brown is like more of the nickel like he was last year. I certainly think that's possible. But Court Williams, because he can play safety, because he can maybe be that hybrid kind of linebacker safety, uh, I, I think he's on that list too. And one other name uh, – possible an answer to this question is a guy who's not on the team yet <laughs> which is transfer x at this position um say whether it. that's say it henry, say henry it. toho toho or somebody <laughs> else um but uh the the henry uh henry toho toho smoke uh i think might be real yeah yeah um okay so offense now no no he just wanted defense we can do offense i didn't see offense. i didn't see defense in the question <laughs> The question you sent me said 11. I didn't know what side of the ball it would be, but I, I didn't specify it. And I did offense. So let's just do offense. Okay, let's do offense. <laughs> I mean, I did it, so you yeah, no, don't want any work to go to work. Do you, you, do you need a work. minute? No, we can do, we can do it. Let's start with the, uh, with the offensive line. Okay, offensive line. And I think we have a question about this, too. So uh, We do. Let me, uh, let me ask the question, and then we can get into this. Uh, the question from Cam was, the overwhelming consensus is a third month for Nick Petit-Frere Paris Johnson, Matthew Jones, and Harry Miller will be the starting five. Uh, and there's an assumption that Harry Miller will be the center. And Cam asks, why aren't fans and analysts considering that Miller might stay at guard and Jones slides in at center and Paris Johnson rounds it out at guard? So with that as a primer. Speaking, if you're an analyst, didn't you, didn't you talk about that? 
I might have mentioned it. I mean, I, I did assume that before we knew that Harry Miller was out for the spring um, and that Matt Jones is going to be getting very valuable first-team center reps this spring, I assumed still that Harry Miller would be the center. But okay. um, now that we have that piece of information, it's a good question from Cam and will probably influence how we plan this out. Uh, it's not going to influence me at all. I'm just going to make or the not. assumption that annoys him. Uh, I It's just Munford from left to right. Uh, Munford, Johnson, Miller, Jones, and Petit Friere, right? Uh, so... The little bit we've gotten to see this spring has Paris Johnson at right guard um, next to Nick Petit and Josh Fryer quite a bit playing left guard next to Thayer Munford, but again, Harry Miller's out. So I think if we're doing that, I might put Paris on the right side. It's like a small thing, but I think I might put Paris on the right. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Okay, can I say something absolutely insane? Sure. I'm going to add my own question to the podcast. Okay. What are the odds that Donovan Jackson is the starting right guard from day one when he gets here? And Jones doesn't start at all. Uh, it's on the board. Like it's, it's on the possible. board, right? Yeah, I think it's on the board. Um, I don't know if they're great, but I mean, I've, I've said before that I, I think that Donovan Jackson might be the best football player in this recruiting class. He's um, so good. I can't stress enough. I've watched his. I don't like watching highlight tapes as much as I used to, but I've watched Donovan Jackson's highlight tape a hundred times. He is yeah, so, I've watched it quite so a bit. good. I've watched it quite a bit myself. That guy and... wants to make your bones into dust. He and does. The only thing that gives me pause is like I would have said this exact same thing about Paris Johnson and Paris Johnson yeah. didn't get on the field. Um, now maybe there's more of an opening here for for Donovan Jackson, um, but it's possible. I don't think I'd pick it, but it's possible. I, I just mean, wanted I'm, to say his name. Yeah, no, I think he's I think he's worth mentioning. And honestly, like Josh Fryer was a guy who came up last year quite a bit. Like kind of surprisingly, they signed all those sort of lower rated offensive linemen in that 2020 recruiting class and. Maybe they don't all pan out, but it seemed like Josh Fryer like kind of emerged rather quickly. So if he's getting first team reps now, like that matters. So maybe he's in the mix too. I don't. I don't know. Um, there could be some shuffling happening on the interior, but like I think Paris Johnson's going to play. It's just like can it, like can Matt Jones hold on to a job? I think is the question. But did I right did now, I blow my who could come out of nowhere answer? Because that's who it's going to be. No, I think it's. I mean, it's a good answer. It's a, it's not one that I would have thought of actually off uh, off the rip, but I think that that is a good one. So you have. Mumford, Miller, Jones, Johnson, Nick Petit are your five. Yeah. Um, okay, I agree with that. Tight end is Ruckert, obviously. You didn't even let me answer it. Are you going with Kate Stover? Uh, Ruckert. Okay. 
<laughs> we'll do three receivers, Olave, Wilson, and... Jackson Smith and Jigba. That's, yeah, I'm, I'm on that train, too. Although, I do like... I like Julian Fleming. I like I like them all. They're, They're all, really all good. good. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I think that really of all good. the positions on the team, it matters the least at this one. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now we get interesting. Backfield. Uh, quarterback. C.J. Stroud. Yes, I am also on C.J. Stroud. Apologies to Kyle McCord's dad. Uh, running back. Trevion Henderson. Yeah. Did you just gurgle a little bit? <laughs> Is that a gurgling noise? It was an an unintentional gurgle if that's what came out. Um, I guess I would go Trey Henderson, too. He would also be a pickup for a guy who kind of comes out of nowhere, but he wouldn't be coming out of nowhere. He's going to be the starting running back day one. Everyone's obsessed with him. I think it's decided already. It is decided. Uh, It's not decided, but it's probably decided. I decided it. Uh, He decided it. Uh, Okay, we'll go with Trey Henderson. Okay, so Stroud, Henderson, Olave Wilson, Smith and Jigba, Ruckert, Petit Frere, Johnson, Jones, Miller, Mumford up front. Who comes out of nowhere and steals a starting job? There aren't a lot of openings. Okay, I said Donovan Jackson, but I think we should still keep track of Mayan Williams. Yeah, I like Mayan Williams. I don't. I don't know if Mayan Williams is a is a starting tailback. Um, I love him as a changeup at tailback, and and I hope he sticks around because of that. Um, but he's a good one. Like healthy Marcus Crowley, I don't know. All those guys are so similar to me that it's hard to pick one of like of Crowley, Chambers, and, and Teague. It's also really hard to do this exercise when multiple people are expected to play at these positions. Right. So, like, to me, who the starting three receivers are doesn't really matter. Yeah, because I think they're going to play. I think Olave and Wilson will have more reps than everybody else, obviously. But I think maybe the gap won't be quite as wide as it was last year, and they'll rotate through that third spot pretty regularly i think um yeah i don't know there's not just not an opening like donovan jackson's a good one i mean maybe like josh fryer's a sleeper but i don't i don't know if it's possible on, on offense with the way this is set up i think it's it's pretty clear who's going to play Ugh, that was fun yeah oh, and that was buckeye dog and that was, <laughs> maybe henry toa toa can play running back too yeah yeah he's fast uh, um yeah that was a good question that was fun that was a good question, and I, sorry I had to tweak it, but you know we don't get to watch practice. Okay, uh, this was a really good one from Brandon too. <laughs> I like the way he wrote it. Here it is. My name is Jim Harbaugh, and in 2021, the team I coach will go eight and four with wins over Washington and Penn State. However, my team will also lose at home to Ohio State, 48 to 24, in a game that doesn't really feel close as OHIO chants rain down from the Big House bleachers, starting midway through the third quarter. I stare blankly into the middle, <laughs> into the middle distance for most of the game. Do I keep my job? <laughs> well, read the other one too. The other scenario is my name is Jim Harbaugh and in 2021 I <laughs> I coach a team that will go 5 and 7 with drain circling losses to Rutgers and Nebraska. However, will summon some sort of enthusiasm unknown to mankind and beat Ohio State 30 to 24. Do I keep my job? I think he keeps his job in the second scenario. I think so all he thing- has to, I think the only thing he has to do is beat Ohio State to keep his job. And I think he might keep his job in the first scenario. So the first scenario is interesting because if they go eight and four and beat Washington and Penn State and we know they're going to lose to Ohio State, um, that means they're going to lose three games against Western Michigan, Northern Illinois, Rutgers, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Northwestern Michigan State, Indiana, or Maryland. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, guess if those losses were like Wisconsin, Wisconsin Indiana, Nebraska, and Indiana, 
Yeah, I guess that's fine. Like Northwestern might be decent too. They got the, the Helensky kid, I think, playing quarterback this year, right? So I guess that's not crazy. Um, I don't know. Five and seven, you think he keeps a job of five and seven as long as he beats Ohio State? I think if he beats Ohio State, he automatically gets the next year. Yeah, I think you're probably right. That's like because you can spin that as momentum and, and all that stuff that doesn't really matter. But um, also, like doing the thing that nobody thought was possible. And doing the thing that everybody incessantly criticizes him for. Yeah. So you say he keeps his job in both these scenarios. I think eight and four. I think eight and four and getting your ass kicked again by Ohio State while OHIO is getting chanted in, in the big house might be enough to. Yeah. Be, can't. It's just like beating Washington and Penn State would be really good. It would. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I get it. I get it. It would just be another mediocre season where you're. I think that he is more likely to keep his job in scenario B than scenario A. But scenario A is just what it's been, and they almost fired him because of it. Like, that's what that's the reason. The 48-24 gap between Ohio State and Michigan is the thing that he's most criticized for and the reason why they don't know that he can lead the program to where it wants to go. Like, that's the whole thing. Like, who he, what he does against everybody else isn't the thing that makes him not equipped to do the job. So... A stark reminder of how far you have to go at the end of every regular season is just a kick right into the groin. And, like, I don't know how many more of those Michigan can endure. But also, it doesn't seem to me like I think that you and I have differing views of what this is at Michigan. Because I did, I had, a, I got a mailbag question two weeks ago about which coaches will stay the longest and which one in the Big Ten and which ones will go the soonest. And you and I had a texting conversation about Jim Harbaugh, and like you seem to think that it's easier to fire him now. And I guess based contractually, financially, it probably is. But Michigan, I don't know how close Michigan actually was to moving on from him. I think they want him clearly because they restructured his deal in a way that doesn't typically happen to keep him around. But it's like we want to keep people. We want to pay you less money because you've not lived up to your contract. And by the way, we expect you to totally revamp your staff and like make this better after five years of, of being average. Um, just to me, sounds like the leash is very short. And I and if I'm not mistaken, the way that the contract contract is structured now makes it much more tenable to fire him if you want to. And the buyout, the buyout would be much more manageable if, if they wanted to do that. Um, mostly, I just don't think this is going to work. Like. I think he's the issue, so I don't know why they think that just like keeping the guy at the top in place and replacing everybody underneath him is going to work. Maybe it will work, but I'm not optimistic that it's going to. So, um, and also, at least from my point of view, he was like actively shopping himself for NFL jobs to try to get out of Michigan. So I just don't think he has a bunch of staying power there. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, but in these two scenarios, I do agree that if he beats Ohio State, he's probably okay. Unless it's like they're one in eleven and they beat Ohio State. If they said Jim Harbaugh, anything can happen in the next calendar year in your life. Uh, what would you want to have happen? Ohio State beating Ohio State's the only thing he can answer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Question from Mitchell, and this is getting at to, to the heart of who Ari Wasserman is. It has nothing to do with Ohio State football, but there's a football question on the other side of this. 
Ari recently put out a tweet saying it's time to call Drake the greatest rapper of all time, and I feel personally attacked. I mean, maybe boring, generic, and recycled music is his style, but it's definitely not mine. I want to know Ari's top five favorite rappers of all time, although I'd bet the house that it goes something like this. Number one, Drake. Number two, Kendrick Lamar. Number three, Future. Number four, Kanye West. And number five, J. Cole. Ari, do you have a rebuttal? I mean, I just think it's insulting. Like, it's just I just tweet about rap music one time, and then I just, like what's on the radio because I like Drake. Like, just just build your boy up a little bit here. I mean, I really like the category of music. And I think I do a pretty good job of being educated about it. I've been my dad bought me Tupac's greatest hits when I was 8 years old. I don't know if he knew what I was bought, what he was buying me, but I was like listening to All Eyes on Me on the way to daycare, which is pretty hilarious. And I also have a theory, and you tell me if this theory is insane. But I think listening to rap music, most of which was about with abrasive lyrics and violence and, and the selling of illegal narcotics, uh, is part of the reason why I'm pretty good with words. Because I think like linguistically, the way that they make music with all the different words and making them fit and rhyme, I think is like a really interesting way to like develop the language, even if you don't even know it. Like when I was listening to it, I didn't even know what anything meant. But I think as you grow up listening to that type of music, it's like, help me be a better writer. Is that weird? I think that, no, I think that's real. And I think Andy Staples might have said this one time too, and I, and I agree with it. I think, I think some of the wordplay you get with listening to hip-hop and also like some of the storytelling you get with listening to like good country music, I think if you listen to it a lot and kind of immerse yourself in it, can help you with your writing and, and just sort of your way with words. I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. And the other thing I wanted to make a point of too is that Listen, I love Tupac, I love Biggie, I love Nas. I don't feel like I have to like listen to hard music like that to like prove my manhood. Does that make sense? Like it's like everybody's like, "Oh, Drake is emotional. Drake sings. Oh, he's generic and boring." It's just like I know he's mainstream and I know that he's super famous and I know that he goes to Toronto Raptors games and is hilarious and cries in his music videos. Like I get it. But why are we so afraid as men to admit that somebody's mainstream is super talented and good? Like, my favorite rapper of all time is a man named Fonte Coleman. He's in the group Little Brother. His wordplay, his beats with Ninth Wonder, everything that he's ever done I think is pure genius. He doesn't get a lot of credit. It's underground based on, I think, personal desire. But, like, does that make me cooler to, like, love his music? And does it make me less cool to like Drake because teenage girls also like him? Do I have to like listen to the hard, real, and sometimes uncomfortable lyrics of Tupac and Biggie to like feel like a man? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I feel like people are like embarrassed to admit that the music is good. Like Drake has been releasing hit after hit after hit since I was 21 years old. And like you said, uh, Something that was interesting, and I read a story about it, I think for for GQ or somebody wrote it was a good story, Esquire or something, about how Drake's lyrics, like, cater to a 21-year-old who's, like, just now becoming an adult. And when he first came out, I was 21. So, like, that stuff spoke to me. And, like, now that I'm in a current situation where I'm recently engaged and trying to buy a house and my career has changed and I'm trying to progress in the industry and all the things that happen to us as we grow up into men – 
I don't really connect, I guess, to the same type of lyrics that I did when I was trying to go to Vegas for spring break when I was 21 in between football seasons. But, like, it's still super catchy and good. Like, I still, like, it's it's still entertaining to me. And it's just, like, the people who make fun of me and say that they can't connect to Drake lyrics and then list Tupac in their top five, am I the only one seeing the, the disconnect here? <laughs> I can connect to Tupac's lyrics. Yeah. We live very similar lives. Yeah, like did you live lives like the notorious B.I.G.? Like are you is that how you live? No, it's not. It? Yeah, if if that's what you're falling back on, um it's it's pretty flimsy. I know, I think whatever you know, whatever you find catchy, you find catchy. I'm not a huge Drake fan. I'm not a huge hip hop fan. Well, I shouldn't say that. I do like it. I just don't I'm not qualified to speak about it, I think, because I don't know enough about the, the history of it and the art of it and all that stuff. But um, I've never been a huge Drake fan. But I certainly understand why you would be, because the songs are are pretty catchy. And it's okay to normalize getting in your feels with the fellas while listening to Drake. Yeah, don't Drake and drive, right? You know how many times <laughs> I've gone through breakups or sad things with girls in my 20s where I listen to Drake and like completely connected to the music? Like I, I don't know. I feel like it's far more relatable. I mean, I guess... His super fame and riches and brand recognition as a current person in the music industry is different, but he's progressed in his life like we're all trying to progress. I don't know. You get a top five? You wanna, yeah, you, I don't know this, if I want to do this. Top five. I, don't, I don't know if I want to do this because it's like impossible and like I don't know how strongly I feel about it, but like you just want me to do it. Well, you don't have to, but I'm I'm assuming Drake, Kendrick Lamar, Future Kanye West, and J. Cole are not your top five. So. No, no. I mean, I like Fonte, Drake. Nas, Tupac, and Logic or Elzai are my top five. And, like, I don't know. I could, depending on who releases another record, like, I've gotten lost in all their records. And I know that everybody, here's the one thing I'll leave you with that can make you pull out your hair even more. I think Jay-Z is the most overrated thing (laughs) in the world. Not music, not musician, not rapper. He's more overrated than anything has been rated in their own category. And the only close second to that is Friends. <laughs> wow, you really you, you covered a whole lot of demographics there. <laughs> Am I the only one that thinks Friends is repulsive? Like I, I watch it and I like makes my skin I hate it. I'm sorry I, if you're a friend. I mean I fan. never I never got into it, so no, I don't like, I don't really get doesn't it. Doesn't Doug love Friends? And I guess like he was trying he to... He seems ex- like a guy who would love Friends. Yeah. He was explaining it to me. I don't know what years it came out, but I guess if you watch it week to week and like we're connecting with the love stories between Ross and Rachel and all the things that happened, like it might be different. But like now, we all have like our favorite sitcoms, right? That we like to like watch. Uh, when it's on TV, if you're scrolling through, you have a sitcom you like to watch, you just stop there. I actively avoid Friends. I'll watch King of Queens, Seinfeld, Family Guy... All these shows, but like Friends, I don't know what it is, but Friends is the Jay-Z of television. And Jay-Z is the Friends of rap music. (laughs) John, get that. (laughs) Clip that. Okay, last question. It's a football question from Tim. Over under three and a half first round draft picks in Ohio State's wide receiver room. And this is coming at an interesting time because Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and Jamison Williams like got to work out with Justin Fields on this pro day, which I didn't know was allowed. But it's like two guys, Olave and Wilson, who might be first round picks next year, probably gonna be first round picks next year. Like got to work out in front of NFL scouts. 
as junior or as, as rising juniors uh, or one of them's a rising junior one of them's a rising senior on Justin Fields pro day which is like kind of a cool opportunity for them and then Garrett Wilson made a crazy catch on the sideline too so anyway three and a half first rounders in the 2021 receiver room over so Wilson and Olave right are you on that train yep and then who are the other two that you feel very sure that you're going over or you just think out of the other okay, ones listen, you're going to get to I, I don't know which ones are going to be but Brian Hartline. Can you tell me exactly what round and pick all the remaining receivers I think Jackson Smith and the Jigba is going to be a first-round pick. Yeah, um, I'd buy that stock. Um, I don't know. Being a first-round pick is so hard. It's like we just throw the shit on the wall, and it's just like, ugh, first-rounders everywhere. You know, <laughs> but, like, you have two in the bag already. Right. And you have, like, nine other top 100 players, like, in or around the roster. I just think that two will pan out. Two other ones will pan out. I think they're going to have two this year and then the leftovers of it. And then if you add Caleb Burton into the mix, Brian Hartline has signed nine top 100 players or is set to sign ten top 100 players, especially if uh, Graves from uh, Phoenix gets a top one. It might be ten top 100 players in three classes Yeah, at that same position, which is the most absurd recruiting run I can come up with in any position anywhere. They will have four. I don't know if we're not counting Caleb Burton and Keon Graves. Fine. That's fine. There's enough there for no, it's just Yeah, there. it's just what's on the roster right now. And I think I think, I think think over three and a half is, like, pretty easy. Like, I would I would take that all day. Because, like you said, you got the two in the bag. I like the trajectory that Jackson Smith and Jigba's on. And then, but it's even if you just say, like, out of Jackson Smith and Jigba, Emeka Ibuka, um, Julian Fleming. Jamison Williams. Jamison Williams. Marvin Harrison Jr. Jaden Ballard. I don't, am I forgetting somebody? There's so many of them. Like, do you yeah. get two more out of all those guys? I think like you can probably safely assume that you're going to get two more out of those guys. I know, especially considering the fact that the two of the four are going to be gone after this year, and mm-hmm. then after those two are gone, then you're left with the seven leftovers that are going to be the main fixtures in Ohio State's offense when their quarterback is a year more developed. Like, I think four is an easy bet. The only thing I think that could make it tricky is if. Say say this this coming season just goes in a way where it's just like Olave and Wilson dominate everything, and all these young guys don't get on the field in the same way in the way we think they're going to get on the field. But then like Jackson Smith and Jigba and Julian Fleming, for instance, or you can throw G Scott in there too. Just pick pick two of those next guys um, are so good in their third years, like so productive that they just like have to go, but they don't have enough on film to quite be first round picks. Sort of like a Michael Thomas kind of deal um, where. Like, he looked like a first-rounder, but didn't quite have the project production of a first-rounder, but he went because it was time to go, and he ended up being a second-round pick. Uh, I think that could happen, maybe, and, and maybe a couple of these guys end up being first-round talents that go in the second round just because of a matter of timing. If you add in the 2022 class, I'll up, that, I'll up the number to four and a half and say over. Yeah. Yeah. I went to Caleb Burton's high school. Nobody read the story for some reason, but <laughs> um, go read it. That kid is a freak. Theathletic.com slash four dash six one dollar a month. Go read Ari's story about Caleb it's Burton. It's one dollar a month. I think you should say it earlier in the podcast. So if you're still listening, it is insane. I did say it earlier in the podcast. I think it's just that like, hey, runs. Welcome to four to six with A and B. It's one dollar a month to sign up for the athletic and then say it nine times throughout it because I want people to know how cheap that is. This is an exploding offer. It only runs through uh, through uh, Monday, April fifth, the, the national day of the national championship for hoops. So. If you're not subscribed to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash 4-6 right now. You get in for a dollar per month. And if you wait until Monday, may God have mercy on your soul.
I might even do it. I get a free account through work, but it's only a dollar. I might go sign up. I once spent $17 getting myself breakfast at Burger King. You can sign up for $1 a month. $1 a month. What are you waiting for? $17 at Burger King breakfast. (laughs) Try to add that up. What was the Uh, order? Okay, okay. Uh, Two egg and cheese croissants, orange juice, uh, two hash browns. How'd you get the 17? What else did you have besides that? Uh oh the did they have like the donut things there the it donut was, stick the, it was French toast sticks French toast sticks right two orders of French toast sticks yeah but it was two number ones so like okay. you got the order right but two number ones large hash brown egg and cheese only um one coke one orange juice and French toast sticks yeah those days it. are gone those I look at you there but it was. It was a great morning. Was, yeah, I went like home it. and went back to sleep because I was so full. But like it was, uh, it was a good way to start the day. Yeah, I'm jealous. I wish I'm I was so there. happy that Britt doesn't listen to these podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll wrap up there. Thank you guys uh, for sending in your questions. Uh, again, please hit the email four two six ab at gmail uh, We're hopeful to get some some voicemail stuff set up with that too, so maybe we can get you guys uh, asking us questions in a different kind of form on future episodes ohio state spring practice rolls on spring game is april 17th by the way uh i obtained an email not really but uh it sounds like a a spring game is going to kick off at noon on april 17th still don't know much about tickets just yet but when we know that we'll let you guys know as well thank you for listening to four to six with a and b and we'll see you guys next time